Hi everyone, this is Michael Jay from SCRS, and we'd like to thank you all for listening in to our podcast series. Today is April 6, 2020. And on the phone today, I've got Michael Yan and Mike Cremines, both from Highland. And when I'm done, they're going to tell you who they are and what they do. Uh, today, they're going to be giving some advice to research sites on kind of the, the problem of having to keep your doors open when um, the future is uncertain and the work is slowing down or stopping. And uh, they're both from Highland. Uh, they're GIPs of the society. I've known them for years and years. Uh, they were one of the, the first um, companies that ever saw the society for what it was, believed in it, and they've stuck with us for a long time. Uh, so I don't want to step all over the presentation, so I'd like to, uh, Michael and Mike, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, and you can go right ahead. Well, sure. thank you, Michael. Hey, Mike, I'll uh, start off. Michael Yan here, um, Senior Vice President with Highland. Been associated with the organization for a while. My name might be familiar with some of you who are our clients. Um, and Mike is my partner in crime here for the life science practice within Highland, specializing in pretty much all things life science. And uh, today we thought, you know, to build, give value back to SCRS, we take the opportunity to kind of just give you some advice and some consulting as to where to look for a lot of the challenges that are changing every day. And uh, we look forward to it. And I'm going to turn the reins over to Mike Cremines, who's going to kind of run this this podcast series and, you know, look for a couple more down the line from us that uh, we feel will be great value to uh, our organizations within SCRS. So, Mike, feel free. Great. Thank you. Well, first of all, I just wanted to say, um, Michael, how much we appreciate this opportunity. Um, we have enjoyed such a longstanding relationship with the organization that we really feel at this particular time that we owe, uh, we owe the members something, we owe you something back uh, because of how um, generous and, and how wonderful the relationship has been. So we are glad to do it. And by the way, um, this is not the end of it. Um, you will certainly have the ability to get in touch with us uh, after this particular podcast. So the first thing I want to talk about is, folks, this is overwhelming. Um, things are changing on a daily basis. Uh, no one in history has experienced something like this. So, you know, one of the things that we started to think about is, you know, how am I going to keep my doors open? This is a serious situation for any business, but companies with trials, um, th this, this could be the end of the line. I mean, we're talking about survival here. Um, so one of the things I and, and Michael went through is, well, what questions should you be asking? How, who can you rely on for accurate information and guidance? What should you be thinking about? So the first thing as insurance brokers, uh, as you might imagine, uh, the first question that has, has come up uh, on a minute by minute basis for the last couple of weeks is, is there insurance for situations like this? Well, the short answer is, more than likely not. There is a very high probability that you will not find any kind of insurance recovery for the COVID-19 virus. The insurance industry never um, anticipated this kind of event. They certainly didn't charge for it in their policies and they never crafted language that was supposed to respond to it. 
So in that particular case, I want to let you know that there's a high, uh, it is highly unlikely that you will um, get any kind of relief from their current insurance program. Now, let me also tell you that there is significant um, pressure being put on the government, as you might imagine, to uh, change the laws, not necessarily to force insurance carriers to pay for losses, but they may be in a, the government may be in a position where they would fund some kind of a relief package that would allow us as business owners to actually collect on some of the lost revenue and the extra expenses that we've incurred as business owners. So I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but let's just step back and think about this. I think there's going to be some pretty significant pressure to have the government step in and do something. So then the next question is, is okay, well, if insurance is not there for me, you know, what avenues are out there to help me? What else can I rely on for information? So let me tell you this. Um, there are... Um, there's a lot of information overload. I mean, um, Michael, how many webinars have we been on just in the last two weeks? Yeah, and I think that's the common thing, which causes a lot of confusion out there because the, all this information is getting fed from every law firm, every accounting firm, insurance companies, uh, federal government. Um, We've really gotten a lot of really good information from our head lobbying group in Washington, D.C., which is the CIAB, and we rely yep. on a lot of the information that we're getting as it pertains to some of the items we'll talk, i.e., the CARES Act today um, on that. But it is information overload, and we're trying to keep it simple for everybody and or, hey, at least have an avenue that if something you need some help with, you've got a phone number, you've got a friend that uh, can pick up the phone and, and, and lend a lend an ear and some assistance as to where you're trying to navigate through. So to answer some of those questions, I couldn't agree with you more. And to answer some of those questions, you know, in, in the 30 years that I've been in the life scientist space, um, I, I've been able to uh, develop some specific relationships with law firms that are specializing in this area, accounting firms that are specializing in this area. So if any of you would like to get from us some of our recommendations, we're, we're, we're not paid for any of this advice. We, we don't get referral fees. It's just that we've developed these relationships over the years, just as all of you have, right, um, with, with uh, advisors who you trust. So there's a couple of law firms and accounting firms and consulting firms out there that we have, have um, uh, probably um, depended on more than others. But you've got to be careful, folks. This, again, this can be very, very overwhelming. I would just try to find one or two that, that you deem reliable and stick to them because your email on, or your inbox, I'm sure, is overloaded. So that, that kind of, um, you know, gets down to, well, what, what can a site do today to make sure that you survive to be ready to face the next challenges? What I'm telling my clients is, Document, document, document. That's the first thing. If, in fact, you have the ability to draw from some type of an insurance remedy in the future, well, you've got to justify it. Even if COVID-19 claims were a covered cause of loss, that's insurance nerd talk, but, but they were covered by the insurance policy, 
you would still have to justify that you actually suffered, suffered a financial loss. So, so you've got to document everything that's going on. Be very careful about your documentation, keep track of payroll records, keep track of costs, and um, make sure that you're aware of and uh, spend a lot of time making sure that you're uh, recognizing uh, the national, the, the state, the local county and city um, directives that people are giving you. I think that that's something that um, is, is very, very important. So be very, very careful to document. I think the well, Mike, other thing, oh, go ahead, please. Sorry, I was just going to say, you know, as that document, uh, per, you know, what you were bringing up as some examples of the documentation, I, I think you might want to spend a couple of seconds on just kind of the, the, the CARES Act and the small business, um, the small business ability for loans and get in, um, have those loans help them get through um, some different avenues to keep those doors open and keep those, those employees and then utilize the criteria to, to help them through this. Yeah, ab absolutely. So uh, the CARES Act has a part of it, um, uh, which is the Payroll Protection um, Act, which is the one you probably have been hearing about. As a small business, um, you are able to go online and apply for an SBA loan. Um, these particular loans are actually forgivable. Um, I will also tell you that the, the guidance on these loans changes on a daily basis. So here it is conceptually. What you're going to do is for a period of 90 days, you're going to determine your payroll costs, and then that includes benefits, um, and, and um, there's also a quote-unquote fudge factor in there, I believe, of 25%. You take those costs – um, on a monthly basis times three, that's the amount of money that you can um, uh, get as far as a loan is concerned. Now, the reason that I say just be very, very careful, all of us on the call are smart people. It's easy to go online and fill out an application. I just want to caution you. I think you need to reach out to your legal professional. You need to reach out to your accountant. You need to reach out to your special, to consultants that you truly depend on to make sure that they're keeping you up to date on the changes in the guidance. Folks, as soon as the um, clock started on the SBA loan application process, there was an announcement that came out that said, hey, the rules have changed. So you want to make sure that you're getting the maximum benefit out of this. So if you haven't filed your application yet, don't fret. You have until June 30th, I believe. Rely on your professional advisors to get you through uh, that application process. It's going to be, um, it's definitely going to be worth uh, your time. What would you add yeah. to that, Michael? And I would just say, you know, as soon as the CARES Act was signed, there's already some corrections that were already in the process. So when we see more than likely another stimulus package come out, We'll see some corrections as to what also is included as far as your expenses and your payrolls, what you can use the money for and not for. But I, I truly believe that what is there, and it, it really matches up with these individual sites, and at least keeping the doors open, keeping the key employees that they need to at least run it out for the next 60, 90 days to then understand what is, wh where is my revenue stream coming back in from my studies? And we know it's a very stressful time, but I think what this is is a, is a huge tool and a huge vehicle for these small sites to really, at the end of the day, keep their heads above water, 
um, and utilize the federal government and the monies that are available to them to keep moving forward. And then, you know, the ability of, hey, if I follow all of the criteria, I don't have to pay this loan back, which is unbelievable. So Absolutely. So the final part or the final um, question and then uh, guidance that I'm going to give you in my particular piece here is, okay, once the quarantine is over, then what? How can I possibly get back to where I was pre-COVID-19? Um, folks, some of that revenue has gone forever. Uh, I, wish I, could, I wish I had a different story for you, but I don't. So how will this change the way my customers do business? the pharmaceutical companies? How's it gonna change the supply chain? How's it gonna change, I mean, virtual trials are something that could very easily, matter of fact, I don't think very easily, Michael, they are gonna be part of uh, the, the future in many cases. Um, how, do, how are we gonna recruit patients? How are we going to get our suppliers to give us the supplies that we need in order to um, facilitate these trials? So what I will tell you is, is I think you should expect change. You should expect that contracts are going to change. You should expect that there's going to be um, uh, significant differences between how you delivered your product and service previously to what it will look like after we all get back to work. So in that particular case, because things are going to change, I would be very careful to look at contracts that you are going to be signing. I'd be very careful um, if you're not a Highland uh, client, um, you're going to find restrictions that are going to be on your policy. I mean, Highland clients uh, have the potential for having restrictions as well, but I guess what I'm really referring to is be careful that your broker is explaining what those differences are so you're aware of exactly what happened to the changes in your policy. Then I think the other thing you have to be careful of is, okay, uh, is, is this all there is? Should I be just be forced to, to um, um, uh, stay with the contract that people are recommending? Do I have any choices? Are there best practices that I should be um, using? And, uh, you know, Michael, you, you've been doing this uh, for uh, the SCRS people for quite a number of years, and I think you've got experience on that side. So maybe when you get into your piece, you can talk about, you know, how you've helped people uh, when things change as well. But um, watch out for the contractual changes be careful that as your business changes, if it goes to virtual, your insurance policies have to match the change in risk. Um, don't assume that the insurance carrier or your broker is just going to think about your best interest automatically. You've got to challenge them and make sure that it fits the needs uh, of your particular business. Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. And some of these subjects um, will be part of some topics uh, in some later podcasts uh, that we'll be launching out. I think we're going to try to do a couple of these and, and see how they work. I think some of the upcoming ones that we have to talk about is cyber liability and what's the change there and then also new risks in a new day. So some of the things we did talk really at a high level today, we'll get in a little bit more detail on some later podcasts. But, you know, all in all, I think, you know, the information we're going to provide to you today just kind of in, a, in the kind of the conversational that we had here. We'll also have on the SCR website and our um resource area for Highland is a link to our uh, COVID-19 resource center, which we feel has got exactly. some really, really, really excellent information that really. we're trying to share with our clients and not overload them. Um, it allows you on both, you know, the property and casualty and liability and professional liability side, but also really 
how to help the employees and the employee benefits, and then the legislation that's coming down with that is really a good resource for that. So I think uh, in any closing remarks that you might have, um, Mike, um, I'll let you do it, and then we'll turn it back over to Michael J. for some closing um, comments. No, I, th I think I'm good. I, I think we should – let's not get overwhelmed, okay? There are substantial resources, but don't listen to every email that you get and don't respond to every email you get. Find a couple of key partners that you trust. I promise you that if you keep looking and keep asking questions of those very few trusted partners, you are going to get great information out of them. Um, there's a lot of great professionals out there, and they've really come up with some pretty comprehensive responses. Folks, we are going to get through this, and I can guarantee you we're going to be better than ever. I think the organization is going to be stronger than ever. I think the members are going to be stronger than ever, and I'm absolutely very, very optimistic about what the future holds for, uh, for our company. Well, thank you very much, Michael Yan and Mike Cremines from Highland for your time today. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Highland and what they do, you can visit highland.com. And we look forward to bringing you more podcasts as part of the SCRS 2020 podcast series. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.